Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about... Part 2 of a Wikipedia reading on photons. Uh, not photons, quarks. And it's part of the strong interaction. Uh, uh, special unitary group uh, order 6, which is a composition of unitary 1, unitary SU2, and a convolution of SU3 to make SU6. Uh, that is that a, a quark comes in six, six possible varieties to exist which over each other in the universe. It's sort of a very interesting thing. So we've done isospin. We've just done uh, the matrices um, to come through. Um, oh, yes. There's a, a picture here showing the gluons and the quarks and stuff like that. I, I just, whoa, I just have a, have a look at it. I just saw it. There are different matrices of, of the strength of going from one to the other, from one generation to the other, and the uh, uh, matrices with um, stuff. So... An up goes easily to a down, uh, but to a top uh, to a bottom quite easily, but less to a strange and less from a strange to an up. So strange was strange because it had an unusually light, strong lifetime. And so exactly what causes the different generations is, is hard to know. And, and why there are six, six quarks, why there's got to be six, uh, six generations, uh, sorry, three generations up. And now they talk about the strong interactions, and I'm going to have a, a, a much better look at um, at um, uh, uh, what's happening with the the gluons. It's pretty amazing. I, I just, I just, wow. So you, you've got six quarks around there in space, and within it, six intermediately intermediate quarks are uh, gluons which go across and then on top of that there's two gluons on top of each other I just wow that just makes me oh something I really want to understand okay now unitary groups a unitary group is something that if you take a complex conjugate that is you take everything with a um, imaginary number and reverse the sign of that and then you take the transpose of it that will give you that's the inverse it will give you one so uh, u u star equals one that's u star uh, transpose and uh, u star transpose is um, the inverse now it, it's true that for any um, Set of matrices. You can give the t the the, the um, rows can be orthogonal. So if you get any two rows, you multiply it by itself, it gets one. You multiply it against any other row, it's zero. So if you actually um, uh, multiply the two rows t together, uh, you can get a uh, they uh, they are orthogonal. They can't be generated from each other. You need redundant information for it, or you can simplify, simplify, or get transfer forms to simplify. And a way of saying it's orthogonal is a Hermitian matrix. So uh, there are um, 
two things that you can get uh, U, U, uh, U star transfer or the Hermitian comp uh, composite, the um, conjugate, complex conjugate transpose one. That can be the inverse, and that will give you identity matrix. But for all matrices which uh, um, are uh, independent, so, so each one of those matrices, there can only be a certain number of those matrices available in a, in a, in a space. So in um, two space, there's four matrices available. In three by three, there are nine matrices, independent matrices, solutions, which are, are so they're fundamental ones. However, one of those solutions doesn't have a, um, a if you find the determinant of it, it doesn't give you the real number of absolute one. One of them is a complex number. This is across so special unitary matrices uh, groups are those a group of matrix transformations defined by um, those matrices excluding the one which is a complex one. So an, uh, an example of a, uh, <coughs> a complex uh, matrix which would um, have uh, be Hermitian uh, and uh, its complex transpose would be um, B1 would be I0, um, 0, uh, I. Zero, zero, I. Now the complex conjugate of that is just minus i zero zero minus i, and then uh, multiplying those together, you get i times minus one. That will give you one, but the determinant that will give you an identity matrix. But the determinant of that is um, i uh, is. Well, I'm just trying to think. It is minus one. It's not one because you've got. Uh, now the determinant is um, a times d plus B times uh, C times D. Now I've got to really refresh my mind on determinants and how that works. So I, I understand that. And this is a statement of um, that these objects have a spin and they exist in a different, a different way that they come into reality. Now, what does that mean topologically? What does that physically mean in the object? I find it hard to know. It's it's just what our reality is. Now, I'm going to read this. In modern particle physics, gauge symmetries, the kind of symmetry grooves, relate interactions between these particles. Uh, see gauge 3. Color SU3, commonly abbreviated to SU3C, is a gauge symmetry that relates the color charge in quarks and is refining symmetry for quantum chromodynamics. So, the color stuff is the way that you can do gauge symmetry without the maths. Just the laws of physics are independent of which direction the space is designated, x, y, z, remains unchanged if the coordinate axes are rotated to a new orientation. The physics of chromodynamics, and this is an important thing, is related, but you've got the independent axes. This, is, this gives you the independent axes. So, so the colors are the axes in space, but the... Um, um, but the possible interactions uh, there are eight, nine minus one gluons. Uh, the physics of chromodynamics is independent of the directions in the three dimensions of color space identified, red, 
blue, red, uh, and green SU3C. So I think C is SU3 is the same as SU3C is used in color terminology. Corresponds to rotations in color space, which mathematically speaking is a complex space. It is. For every quark flavor, there are subtypes FB, FG, FR corresponding to quark colors form a triplet, a three-component quantum field that transforms under the fundamental representation of SU3. So you, you, um, a gluon will transform one um, uh, quark triplet to another quark triplet, but that quark triplet will still be R, B, G, or we'll be moving around. Now there's H transformation. It's interesting how that works. Um, the requirement that SU3C should be local, that is, transformations be allowed to vary with space and time, determines the properties of the strong interaction. In particular, it implies the existence of eight gluon types, like those force carriers, which are the, the eight independent matrices which you can make up, up from it. I, I just find it just a little bit hard to comprehend it. Okay, masses. Two terms are used to refer to the quark mass. Current quark mass refers to the mass of the quark by itself, while constituent quark mass refers to the current mass plus the mass of the gluon particle field surrounding the quark. So, that's interesting. These masses have very different values. Most of the hadron's mass comes from the gluons that bind the constituent quarks together rather than the quarks themselves. So it's equals mc squared and the quark themselves can... Um, a, a gluon uh, goes to a Feynman quark-antiquark pair at a certain branching ratio, therefore has a mass a mass inside the body. While gluons are inherently massless, they possess energy. More specifically, quantum chromodynamics binding in the QCBE and it's this that contributes greatly to the overall mass of the hadron's um, mass in special relativity. Uh, okay, for example, a proton has a mass of approximately 938 MeV, whereas a electron has half that. So the electron is a, a 20th, is a is 2,000th the mass, of which the rest mass is uh, of its three valence quarks only contributes only 9 MeV. Much of the remainder can be attributed to the field energy of the gluons. The chiral symmetry breaking, see chiral symmetry breaking, I don't know what that means. Standard model posits an elementary particles derive their masses from the Higgs mechanism, uh, which is associated with the Higgs boson. It is hoped that further research to the reasons the top quarks large mass, uh, 717, uh, 7, uh, 173 GeV, almost the mass of a gold open, more about the origin of the mass of quarks and other elementary particles. Perhaps that's pretty amazing. So you got the current, uh, the current mass, the current mass of all six flavors in comparison as balls of proportional volumes. Proton gray, electron red, are shown in the bottom left-hand corner. So I can't see where the electron. Oh yeah, the, no, I just can't. The strange charm. Oh, this is a tiny. Shown in the bottom left hand corner to scale. It's a tiny done. Wow, I don't quite get that. Size, QCD. Quarks are considered to be point like entities with zero size. 
Well, I don't think it's just like electrons. They don't have. Um, um, they don't have um, full um, electric. They, they don't have physical properties. They've got charge, so I just wondered if they've got a wave function for it. Yeah, I think, well, let's read that. Experimental indicates they are no bigger than 10 to the minus 4 times the size of the proton and less than 10 to the minus 19 metres. Um, I just don't think uh, talking about an electron as a point like particle also makes sense. It's, it's like there's no, there's no column in quarks for radiuses. So uh, there's a column for mass, but there's no column for radius. It's a fundamental particle. It doesn't have all the properties. To have a radius, it's got to have constituents and stuff like that. It's got to have parts. So to measure a car, if a car turns up and you can see it, it's actually got parts, whereas these are elementary particles. Table of properties. The following summarise the key properties of the six quarks. Flavor quantum numbers, isospin. So isospin is the number of up minus down quarks. So I, I don't know, isospin doesn't necessarily go for top and down. So, uh, charm, the strangeness, not to really confuse with spin, the topness. So what you have is isospin is, does the first up and down. You could have UD and stuff like that. But uh, the bottomless B. I assign certain quark flavours um, and denote qualities of quark-based system of hadrons. The baron number is a third, because you need quarks, as barons are made of three quarks. For anti-quarks, the charge Q and all the flavour quantum numbers are the opposite sign. Mass and total angular momentum in J is equal to the spin of the point particles. Do not change the sign for anti-quarks, which is really interesting. But J, I wonder if J is... Uh, H bar J a half mm, J is a vector half so a J has got units whereas mass is MeV I wonder if a J has got units for um, should have H bar on 2 see the electric field the, I think J is angular momentum. It's got to be in units, so they have got it here. So they've got up, down, charm, strange, top, bottom. You know, you've got uh, beauty and um, oh, what the truth and beauty. T for top, B for beauty, on top and bottom. Um, and they've got the, the mass coming up. Um, okay, so these have got incredibly small MEV. So a proton has, oh, a down has got about twice as much. So that's the extra down is the extra weight of a neutron going in there. And um, obviously up and down have got no charm or strange or topness or bottomness. And that just indicates it here. Uh, oh, it's interesting here that um, the S for strangeness is minus one. Blimey. I don't understand that. I3 again is just bizarre. It's just the I3 is a component of it. Um, pushing there. And so this would be 
what disturbs me is that they've got um, C, S, T, and B can be positive or negative, so that implies their projections. It doesn't tell you a lot. Interacting quarks. As described by quantum chromodynamics, the strong interaction between quarks is mediated by gluons, mass luxes, vector gauge bosons. Each gluon carries one colour charge and one anti-colour charge. Well, we found out that that's not exactly true. It's equivalent to that, but the actual gluon is far more complex than that. In a standard framework, the particle interaction part or more general form formulation known as perturbation theory gluons are constantly exchanged between quarks through a virtual emission and absorption process. Well, yeah, I think virtual means it's a mathematical device they go through. When a gluon is transferred between quarks, the colour change occurs in both. For example, a red quark emits a red anti-green gluon, it becomes green, and if a green quark absorbs the red anti-blue gluon, it becomes red. Therefore, each quark's colour is constantly changes, and a strong interaction is preserved. Well, is it changed? I suppose uh, this is interesting, but there's no rate of change. You wouldn't calculate the rate of change. It's changed in there. Um, since gluons carry charge, they themselves emit and absorb gluons. Uh, this is causes asymptotic freedom. As quarks come closer to each other, the chromodynamics binding force be, uh, between them weakens. Conversely, as the distance between quarks increases, the binding force strengthens. Now, the big question is that there's obviously a geometric in our space. Interesting how this goes along. But it's interesting that the quarks and gluons from one photon does not interfere, one proton does not interfere with the other. This is one of the things where I think people, people even writing this would find it difficult to understand that the um, liquid dot theory of Bohr is incorrect. Um, above a certain energy, pairs of quarks and anti-quarks are created. These pairs bind with the quarks being separated, causing new hadrons to form. Mm -hmm. This phenomenon is known as colour confinement. New hadrons, but the hadrons would be a proton, antiproton, a meson, which is a quark, antiquark. As known, colour confinement appears, uh, quarks don't appear in isolation. The process of hadronisation occurs before quarks form in high energy collisions are able to interact in any other way. The only exception is the top quark, which may decay before it hadronizes. Well, there you go. Could, I mentioned I've got these Ross River mosquitoes coming. C of quarks, C quarks, S E A quarks. Atmosphere has <coughs> valence quarks, so these are the quarks that you name. They contribute to the quantum numbers. Uh, virtual quarks, Q, anti Q, are known as C quarks. Wow. Valence quarks, C quarks, C quarks form when the gluons of the hadron colour field splits. This process also works in reverse in the annihilation of two C quarks. So this is another way of equals mass, stuff like that. So that's page 9, okay, going on to page 10. Uh,
Oh, this is interesting. This thing produces gone. The result is a constant flux of gluons splits creation colloquially known as the C. C quarks are much less stable than their valence counterparts. They typically annihilate each other within the interior of the hadron. Despite this, C quarks can hadronize into baronic and mesonic matter under certain circumstances. Well, I just wonder whether that C quark would be something a hadronization outside the jet, because a gluon will form a jet. Other phases of dark matter. So, um, I don't know what these lines go. There's hadronic superconductivity, color superconductivity, which I don't know what that means. This is under high pressure. So this is pressure versus temperature. A quark gluon plasma, hadronic phase. So these are, are things, nuclear matter. Under sufficient extreme condition, quarks may become deconfined at the bound states and propagate as thermalized free excitations in a larger medium. In the course of acetopic freedom, strong interaction becomes weaker at increasing temperature. Eventually, the color confinement would be effectively lost and the extremely hot plasma of freely moving quarks and gluons. This theoretical phase of matter is called a quark gluon plasma. In the Big Bang, the exact conditions that give rise to the same are known and have been subject to a great deal of circulation experimentation. Estimate puts it of 10 to the 12 plasma, so that's a million, million degrees, there you go. While the status of entirely free quarks and gluons has never been achieved, despite numerous attempts at CERN in the 80s and 90s, recent experiments the relativistic heavy iron collider have yielded the equivalence of liquid-like quark matter exhibiting nearly perfect fluid motion. It's interesting. That would be get the baronic density. The gluon, quark gluon plasma would be characterized by a great increase in the number of heavier quarks pairs in relation to the number of up and down quark pairs. So I believe a period 10 to the minus 6 seconds after the Big Bang, the quark epoch, the universe is still gluon plasma. The temperature was too high for hadrons to be stable. Given sufficiently high hadron baron densities and relatively low temperature, possibly comparable to those found in the neutron stars, which this is the entire thing. There are no neutrons in neutron stars because baryonic density is too great for neutrons. Um, we could be characterized by condensation of colored quarks, Cooper pairs, thereby creating the local SU3 symmetry. Because quark Cooper pairs have a color charge, such as phase of quark matter would be called color superconductor. That is, the color charge will be able to pass through it with no resistance. Well, there you go. Isn't that that? For me, I find this fascinating because it could mean that you, a neutron star could have totally new physics and possibly even new life. There could be consciousness in a neutron star. I just wonder what that would be like. It would be just strange. So if you can get, I, I can't imagine any stable structure, you know, but superconducting. Now, it's interesting that electricity can be superconducting mass traveling through space is superconducting in the Higgs field and um, so this is this is Cooper, Cooper pairs coming through and the interesting thing is a Cooper pair uh, is electrons traveling in opposite directions uh, you, you've got um, a spin up spin down electron and they're coupled uh, so uh, but 
uh, for their um, you don't have confined electrons traveling in the same direction so they're traveling in opposite directions to form a standing wave so that's an interesting aspect of them so that's um, uh, quarks and we need to understand a bit more slowly with through what a unitary matrix is so unitary matrix uh, has an invoice inverse by taking the compact conscript and transposing it a uh, special unitary one is a set of matrices which uh, are Hermitian and also have a, um, a determinant of one which means down the diagonals they have their real down the diagonals <coughs> real numbers down the diagonals and so for any set you have um, any dimension of space you have n dimensions you have n squared minus one of those dimensions is imaginary and it's uh, u, u1 is uh, um, just complex numbers to get across to go across like that so there's a diagram there which is absolutely fascinating I'll try to get it and look at so thanks a lot I'm slowly understanding this little by little. I hope that you can as well. Thanks a lot for listening to it. Another podcast, another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.